cute talent. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Heart and Hustle in Hamilton County, a podcast about the people, places, and policies that govern the work of Hamilton County, Ohio, and in particular, our res local response to the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Jeff Aluto. I'm County Administrator in Hamilton County, and I'm here with my co-host, Communications Manager Bridget Doherty. Greetings, Bridget. Hello, greetings on our inaugural podcast. So over the next several episodes of this podcast, we're going to be discussing and talking about the issues, challenges, and opportunities Hamilton County faces as we battle this global pandemic. So first of all, I thought it might make a little bit of sense to kind of go through why are we doing a podcast? And right now, there are so many things happening in the media. There's a lot of noise. I feel like right now is a great time for us to cut in and, and try a new medium. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point and a great, especially for our first episode. So in talking to a lot of people in a lot of positions through, throughout the county, whether they're employees or non-employees, it seems like there's, there continues to be this real lack of information about what counties do compared to, say, what the city does or what state or federal government does. So bridging that information gap is something that's always been a priority of mine. I know it's been a priority of the Board of County Commissioners, but it's actually a lot harder than, than you'd think to do that. It is. I, I feel like sometimes counties aren't as tangible as cities, and so also with civic lessons in the past, I mean, it, you know, it, people think back and they really remember what is it that a county does. And, you know, which is kind of a shame when we're in this terrible pandemic, counties actually account for a large amount of what the frontline workers do and the activity in battling this pandemic. Absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, we do, public, counties do public health. We do uh, the emergency management agency. We're, we're the 911 dispatchers that people call when they need help. The economic development agencies that help keep the local economy strong. The, the, the caseworkers that are out there protecting children and the elderly sheriff deputies, running the jails, the courts, the coroner's office. I mean, there's just so much that counties do on a day-to-day -day basis, a lot of which meshes right into the response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm kind of hoping this podcast is a direct way for residents and even employees, the media to kind of connect in, in a casual conversational way to all of that, what Hamilton County is doing, especially in this space with the pandemic. That's right. And we really wanted to focus these first few episodes on work responding to that pandemic because right now, as you said, Bridget, it's just so so fundamental and so central in everyone's minds right now. Uh, and in that regard, um, kind of segueing here, I don't think we could really pick a better person uh, to be our inaugural guest on Heart and Hustle um, than Hamilton County Commissioner of Public Health, Greg Kesterman. Greg, welcome. Well, hello. Good to be here. Nice of you to be here and great to have you here, Greg. And first of all, before we get into the, the meat of the show, I just want to take this opportunity uh, to thank you and, and the staff of Hamilton County Public Health for everything that uh, you all have done over the better part of this year. I know it probably seems like a decade uh, to you now, Greg, but to keep the, the county safe and to keep the pandemic from spreading more rapidly than it has here locally. Um, I'm just, just constantly amazed by how immense of a job 
you have uh, and all of your staff has. I mean, you've got a relatively small staff. Uh, you've got nurses, epidemiologists, um, but the work that you guys have done has just been absolutely magnificent. So on behalf of the county and the community, just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Jeff. And I'm very lucky to have such a great team. We have clearly a lot of dedicated people that are working tirelessly seven days a week, and it's been an honor to work with them. Excellent. And so I think the the meat of the show, and again, this is the inaugural episode of, of Heart and Hustle. And so what we really want to do is just engage uh, people who are on the front lines of activity um, in the work of the county and just find out a little bit more about what they're doing um, in a way and the things that you're doing that uh, the employees of the county and the general public in the county would find interesting and some of the behind, behind the, the scenes um, information on what goes into the work of, of, uh, of doing the county's work. So um, just to get into it, um, again, we said at the beginning that you came on as health commissioner uh, earlier on this year, but it probably seems like much longer than that. What, what was the first, when were you officially installed as, as full-time permanent health commissioner, right? So I started as interim health commissioner in February, and then just a couple months ago, I was named full-time. And you're right, February seems so long ago, and it was just around the start of the pandemic, right? We were talking about cases, and we saw airports starting to shut down and changes nationally on how we were, were responding. Um, I've Back in February, things were so different. I remember in one of my first weekends having to call about 10 folks in to be in the office on a weekend, and we were adjusting um, and dealing with a potential case. Back then we talked about probable cases of COVID-19, and it was my medical director and epidemiologist, and we're sitting around talking with the director of health, Dr. Amy Acton at the time, and we're making big decisions on whether or not we should sample this one individual, which would ultimately call them a probable case and have a bunch of people quarantined. And to transform from that moment in time to where we're at today, where we're having 500 cases a day of COVID-19 and quarantining thousands of people as a result of that, it's just been such a, a crazy ride over the last nine months. Absolutely. I remember that that first case, and you're waiting on that first case, and again, it does seem like a decade ago. That's right. I actually called called you, if you may recall, and you know, I'm very new at my shoes. I'm not sure if at this point I'm supposed to call the county administrator for a, a potential case of COVID-19, but um, we've just come such a long way in that, that period of time. Yeah, and there's been good things, and, and uh, obviously, uh, you know, there's been ups and downs, good good and bad, but uh, obviously the, the spread of the, of the, of the virus, uh, no one wants that, but again, I think the the positive thing here is the way that public health has responded to it. So um, before we go much further, just to level set, we are on November 25th. I think that's the date, right? It's the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, so if someone is listening to this um, in a timely manner here, tell us just a little bit about what the state of COVID-19 is in Hamilton County right now. So over the last month, we have seen cases skyrocket in a way that we've not yet seen throughout the pandemic. We went from a couple hundred cases a day quickly to 500 cases a day over the last two weeks. And luckily, right now, we've kind of plateaued. Things dropped back down a little bit, but our hospitalizations are so high. They, um, we have 650 people in the regionals hospital system. And so as we look to tomorrow, Thanksgiving, we have such a high level of concern and an ask of the public and, and our communities and our employees to be careful tomorrow. The last thing I want is somebody to celebrate with grandma and grandpa and ultimately cause them to end up in the intensive care unit or worse. 
Absolutely, and and part and parcel with that, um, Greg, uh, was it a week ago maybe? I think public health um, uh, issued a stay-at-home advisory. The Board of County Commissioners um, weighed in on that, supporting that advisory. Talk to us a little bit about that advisory, uh, because that obviously is still in effect today, and, and what the impact of that has been. So I've been fortunate throughout this pandemic to have um, state leadership that has been very clear in the expectations as we move through the various steps of this pandemic. And they've issued orders necessary to slow the, slow the curve at various times. Right now, we're at a point where we really want to keep the economy open because there's such big implications of shutting things down. But we're seeing rampant spread. So I issued an advisory, a public health advisory, really encouraging people to reflect and to think about the need to to lower their COVID footprint. Now is the time that you should maybe make that choice to stay home more often, to not have people come over your home, to not go over others, other people's homes, and to do what you can to keep your family safe and healthy, realizing that it does have an impact on the number of people in the hospital systems. So that advisory, um, it encourages folks to stay home. It encourages folks to follow all of the current director's orders. There's a curfew in effect right now from 10 p.m. until 5 a.m. that you shouldn't be out and about. Um, we want people to follow these things so that we can, as a community, begin to heal those numbers and to help our hospital systems. Yeah, and, and it's a great point. And uh, I think when we got into that, you mentioned uh, things like shutdowns, et cetera. When we got into this, we knew there were going to be, you know, none of these measures are perfect, right? That's right. Um, and there's no silver bullet to addressing a pandemic, you know, until you get to something, until you bridge the gap to a vaccine, right? Um, so we knew there'd be some conflict over some of the heavier um, you know, non-pharmaceutical interventions like, like shutdowns and, and business closures and things like that. But as health commissioner, did it surprise you the level of angst and, and community conflict over what seemed to be some of the more subtle intervention measures like masks? You know, Jeff, it's very disappointing. As the three of us sit here today doing the inaugural podcast, all three of us are wearing masks. And I would much rather see your facial expressions and, and have that full effect. But this little piece of cloth has the potential to reduce the pandemic in our community and to save lives. And so it's so selfish when somebody chooses not to wear that mask. And it's so disappointing that people are willing to make that choice. So I plead every day um, and I hope more people wear masks. And we go through periods of time where you walk into a grocery and almost everybody wears a mask or other periods of time where for some reason it becomes political and there's individuals not wearing the mask. Um, I, I just look around and I don't understand why people can't make that small sacrifice for our community, for our country, and ultimately for, for those friends and family that, that will ultimately get sick. Yeah. yeah. And once we do get everyone wearing masks and, and we can move on to getting my son to pull it, actually pull the mask up over his nose. Right? Because <laughs> Um, getting people to, to do it correctly is the other thing as well. But once we get people wearing them, that's the first step, right? I, I was on a, a press conference today with uh, Commissioner Driehaus and Dr. Rich from the University of Cincinnati made a comment that there's no partial credit for wearing your mask. You got you to gotta wear that mask correctly if you want full credit. Exactly. It's exactly right. And uh, you mentioned you're trying to, to uh, stop the spread and contain the spread, uh, Greg. Uh, something that goes hand in hand with that. Talk to us a little bit about contact tracing, because I know, um, you know you've got a, a number of people that are doing that for you, and that's really at the heart of identifying cases and making sure that those cases don't spread. So for someone out there who may not understand how that works, what goes into contact tracing? 
Uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, we've changed how we've done contact tracing throughout the pandemic. We've gotten very efficient with it, and we've had to ramp up clearly as the number of cases have increased. We now have 85 individuals doing contact tracing, wow. um, which seems astronomical to go from zero to 85 over the course of a half a year. Um, when we get a positive case, our goal is really to call that case back within 24 hours. We know the sooner we can keep their close contacts or people that have been within six feet for 15 minutes, the sooner we can get them to, to stay home and to quarantine, the less spread we'll have of the disease. So our first step is getting a positive case. We pick up the phone and we call them and we, we conduct an interview and ask them questions about who they've been around. And then our next step is to, to follow up with those individuals and ask them to stay home and to provide them information so they know how to stay safe. What, what's been the, the, the typical reaction? I mean, you typically got the 80-20 rule of, on anything. 80% of people respond one way, 20% another. What, what have you seen uh, in terms of when you do, when your uh, contact tracers make those calls, are they, are the receptions positive? Are people happy to be hearing, hearing from them that, that someone is following up with them? Or is there any level of angst involved there? You know, we've seen some shifts throughout the pandemic. Earlier on in the pandemic, I think we were often the first point of contact with the patient and people were surprised that they had contracted COVID-19 and were disappointed and scared. And so our team would work through that and talk to them and become a, a point of information throughout um, their 14 or their 10 day isolation period. Close contacts often similarly were surprised that they were around somebody with COVID-19, um, scared as well, but a little less because they don't have it. And as the pandemic went on and information nationally changed about the severity of COVID-19, we've had some more resistance to contact tracing. People indicating that they're not willing to share names or they'll call their friends on their own. And you know that sh shift has kind of worn my team out as well. It's very hard when your job is calling people all day and, and you're not always um, well received. So we've worked through it. We, we try to support our team as best we can, but it's been a long process. Yeah. Along the same lines, uh, you know, how is your team holding up? Because this is, you know, as, as we said this morning on the briefing, is no one's taking vacation. These are long hours. There are weekends involved. How yeah. do you manage that with your staff? It's been such a, a, a wild um, pandemic for my team. Clearly, we're the front line. We went from uh, many of us working seven days a week to kind of forcing people to take weekends, although not Friday, Saturday, or not Saturday, Sunday kind of weekends, but Monday, Tuesday's your new weekend and making sure they're taking care of themselves. In addition, we've tried to really staff up to make sure that they're supported. So we went from 95 staff back in February to 115 staff now, in addition to the 85 contact tracers that we have. So it's been just a huge, massive shift in undertaking. and. I'd, I'd like to say my team's holding up, but I know many of us are tired and doing the best we can until that vaccine comes and uh, trying to figure out how we'll, we'll, we'll get that vaccine into the community in addition to contact tracing. Definitely, definitely the unsung heroes of this pandemic. Yeah. Working behind the scenes. Um, can we switch over to vaccines? Because I wonder if one question you might have gotten from some in the community is, you know, we hear that there's a tiered system, how it's coming in, and how do I get to the top of that tier and, and get the vaccine first? So what do you tell people on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the streets? So ultimately, vaccine will be available for the individuals that have been identified by the Centers for Disease Control. And there is a four-tier process. And the individuals that are in the top tier or tier 1A are those individuals that are actually working with COVID patients. So we're talking about hospital workers, 
EMS folks that are riding in the ambulance taking those sick individuals to the hospital, they will get the vaccine first. And then we kind of go down from there to individuals that are in the essential workforce and people that are, have underlying health conditions will be next. So essential workforce could be somebody who works at the 911 center. It could be somebody who works at the grocery store. We know they need need to be in the community to keep us providing uh, groceries that are an essential um, essential for everyone. And then tier four is anyone in the community. Is on kind of on the on the same note. So we talk, we're talking about uh, vaccines. We've talked about contact tracing. Something else that I think the uh, the approach has changed on a bit over the course of the pandemic, uh, Greg, is just testing in general. I mean, I remember back to the to the beginning and we were reserving testing for certain populations or certain contacts and, and there was uh, a shift in terms of whether you wanted uh, uh, people without symptoms to be to get tested. As we are now ramping up the amount of testing going on with, uh, within Hamilton County and the county has launched its test and protect program through uh, the health collaborative or in partnership with the health collaborative. What do you want to tell people about testing? We've got Thanksgiving coming up, people are traveling, all that type of thing. What do you, what's your advice to people now on getting tested, um, whether you do or do not have symptoms? So I think it's a good idea if you have any concerns with or without symptoms to get tested. You know, results are available typically right now within two days, so you're not waiting for a week like we saw early in the pandemic. And so it's not very inconvenient to get tested. And thanks to Hamilton County, there is so much available testing locations. Um, so you're not driving far to a testing site. The lines aren't wrapped around the corner. They're short and manageable lines. And that test does give you a nice snapshot in time and gives you some relief and understanding. The one fear I have is as we enter into Thanksgiving that people will say, well, I can get a test today and then not be safe on Thanksgiving and be with my family. That test is merely a snapshot in time. So if you are sick with COVID but haven't built up enough of the virus in your body, that test still can come back negative. And so if you if that's you and you go celebrate Thanksgiving with grandma, you still run the risk of making grandma sick. And so it's really about behavior. We need to we need to social distance, we need to wear a mask and have good hand hygiene to control this virus. And testing is just one more tool to help us understand and take it to the next level and do isolation when we do have positive cases. That's great advice. So one question that I notice that you get over and over again is about enforcement and i know that that you know a, a lot of reporters want to know well what are the consequences to to not paying attention to this and you had a great story about you know the soccer um complex that you recently visited sure could you share that yep so um recently governor dewine kind of reinstituted a masking requirement in retail settings and I think anytime he reissues an order, it brings new awareness and it helps our businesses and it helps individuals have a new heightened sense of needing to do that activity. So the new order requires businesses to not allow customers to come in without masks. And I was at a soccer complex and two gentlemen walked in in front of me without masks. And the four high school kids that work there asked them to put on their mask and they refused and actually walked away. And the students walked over, the, the employees walked over and reiterated that they'd like him to wear a mask and they refused and they said well if you're not going to wear a mask you have to leave and they refused to leave as well and so ultimately um, the this the employees contacted the police and the police came and removed the two individuals without incident it, you know it's so disappointing though these individuals are were there to watch their daughter play soccer and it's such a selfish decision to to leave the facility to not watch your daughter play soccer over a piece of cloth 
that is required by by Ohio law. So really disappointing, but everybody else in the complex had a mask on and that puts a smile. You can't see it because I'm under a mask, but that puts a smile on my face. <laughs> I'm just so impressed with the high school students too to follow up like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That's yeah. great. I mean, a scary situation for, for a younger person and even as an adult, I mean, nobody likes to call the police and, oh, sure. and deal with something like in that fashion. Or just to confront someone. I mean, we've all been at those youth sporting events and we know how they can be at times. So um, that's a, a, a really, uh, tenuous position to put put uh, employees like that in. So, yeah. So people that are listening to this again, as Commissioner Kesterman said, um, you know, if we just abide by some of these simple measures, whether it's masks, washing your hands, staying socially distant. Um, it, it, things will work out hopefully better for all of us. And for those of you that are doing it right every day, I want to say thank you. And for those of you that are doing it right every day and appreciate the, the workers at the store, I'd like to ask you to take a moment and say thank you next time you're running through the checkout line at, at a grocery store or you see a worker doing the right thing. It's really worth us working together as a team and supporting each other as we're dealing with this pandemic as well. And so just one one last question for you, for you Greg, and this is really just... Um, you know, speaking broadly about the field of public health and emergency management. So, you know, before 2020, when we talked about public health and emergency management issues, uh, you, know, you, you guys have been in, in, the, um, in the business of, of disease prevention for, for a long time. But this obviously is, is to a different level. But typically when we're talking about responding to disasters, we're thinking about uh, tornadoes, we're thinking about floods, et cetera. Even I remember back um, with H1N1, um, you know, that was something that you guys had set up uh, vaccine pods uh, or points of distribution for those, but it was a relatively containerized thing from, from a time perspective, if I remember correctly. This has gone on from really the beginning of the year through now. So just as you think about leading a public health department, um, from, from your perspective, day in and day out, what's What's been the hardest thing uh, about leading that response on a day in and day out basis? You know, I think um, truly reminding my team that this is a marathon and reminding folks that we will make mistakes throughout this marathon and that doesn't mean we'll lose the race. So there are times, you know, last weekend when we saw our case count go from 300 to 500 cases, we weren't perfect. We didn't call everybody back within our standard of 24 hours. We just physically couldn't. And the truth is that's not ideal, but it's going to happen. And to just remind our team that they're doing the best they can and to thank them as, as we maneuver through these unprecedented times. And, and we got through it. We added 15 staff in the last seven days to do contact tracing, and we're back up and running. And that little blip is now a thing of the past. And so as we continue to run on this marathon, I think just continuing to remind our team to take breaks, pace yourself, and we'll get to the end at some point. And now with the vaccine coming, the light is at the end of the tunnel and we, we see the end. So keeping that in, in check is important. Yeah, well, and, and please pass along uh, our thanks and the thanks of the entire county uh, to all of the staff that are doing such a great job on this day in and day out, Greg. And thanks to you personally. Um, you have, every time I've needed to contact you, you are always there. There are return calls within, within two minutes. Uh, so just your level of dedication to this um, has just been absolutely phenomenal. So I just want to thank you for that. Yeah, we're glad to help out. And like I said at the beginning, I'm lucky to be with uh, such a dedicated Board of Health and such dedicated employees. We're really lucky. Yeah, Hamilton County is lucky, I think. So Definitely. Uh, that's, I think, about all the time we have 
for this first inaugural episode. Bridget, anything you want to add before we close out here today? Just imagine how good we're going to sound when we don't have to wear our masks. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's so exactly much right. The, we will uh, we'll continue to move onward and upward. So uh, to everyone listening, thanks for, for tuning into this. I hope that this has been useful today. And that's really the goal, going to be the goal of this podcast is to give you the opportunity uh, to hear from some people who are doing the real work uh, behind the public service that Hamilton County provides. And from my perspective today, it's been a real honor talking with you, Greg, uh, as it will be talking with all the different public servants that we're going to have on this particular podcast. So um, again, thanks to everyone for listening. I want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast. So Bridget, how do you go about doing that? Great question. Uh, we are going to be on um, all the podcasting. So uh, at the bottom of this uh, link, you'll be able to hit subscribe. Fantastic. Great. So uh, on behalf of myself, Commissioner Greg Kesterman, Communications Manager Bridget Doherty, want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next time on Hard and Hustle.